Say What? Say What radio show with no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. Oops, what happened? <laughs> Hello, it's Nancy Hopkins. It's Say What Show. It's November 25th, 2023. We have, um, well, Jan is is having a problem getting on. She's volunteering because Walt is not here. I don't know why. I, you know, we just said he couldn't make the show. It could be a broken car or something else. He didn't tell me. Um, and I asked and I haven't heard back, so... Whatever it is, maybe he's just too busy. But anyway, um, Dolly, I think, has just gotten up here. Are you here, Doll? I'm here. Hi, Moon. We can hear you. <laughs> Good. Okay. I love yeah. her. She's got yes, the <laughs> Hoping that Jane can figure out what's on her end because it's obviously not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be okay. Um, not if the three of us are here. You're right. It's not us. It's not, not us. in the U.S. It's, it must be the U.S. It's, no, it's not a fault. It's a, a um, hours time zone difference. Um, Timeline difference. Yeah. Timeline difference. Time zones. I'm. I. Well, we're we're kind of over that for now. Now they'll get us another six months to get. We'll all get crazy again. Um, gosh, I hope she gets on because that was. I mean, I love Jan's show, Cosmic Creating, on, uh, and it comes the hour before this show starts up, and I love it because there's all. She does such a good amount of research. I mean, I really honor how much time she spends doing that work. And she finds the most interesting things. Um, while she's doing that, I want to ask you, Dolly. I know you've got a list. But was on that list the, the January 6th tapes? No, I know nothing about those tapes. Oh, shoot. Because, you know, oddly enough, neither do I. <laughs> I mean, I know that they, they released them. That the new speaker released them. The whole... Kitten Caboodle. Now, before that, <coughs> what was his name? Who was the guy before that? Uh, oh, McCarthy? Is it McCarthy? You mean the Speaker of the House? Yeah, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay. He had released a section of it to Tucker. Right. And Tucker put it out. And just on the very limited amount that he put out there on his show. I'm sure he they dropped probably all of it someplace, but I mean not the whole thing, but what he was given. And it was to my understanding, because even though I watch all this news, it's like the so so much news gets by me. <sighs> it's like what well, I was I wasn't I paying attention or didn't you tell me? Even, you know, alternative I, you just have to sort of be led to the information. Right. So I don't know why I wasn't led to the January 6th stuff, except that we kind of already knew what it was. And when he released that snapshot of what was really there, the 
oh, what did they call him? The Sasquatch man, I think of him. You know, uh, the guy that was wearing the furry hat and stuff and walking like around. Like an Indian get up, I think it was. Buffalo. Buffalo, okay, gotcha. Okay, so that guy was released based on those pictures, those the video that Tucker put out. And that did not get very much press at all. Right. right. Supposedly he's the son of some kind of congressman or something like that. Say again. He supposedly has parents or a parent in the White House. Oh, I don't know anything about that. No, what it proved was that it showed him being led around by the the Capitol Police to the Senate chambers and, and all over the place. Right. And the other, and so based on this new information that we, the lawyer for him could never get this in this this video, but based on that, he was able to appeal the the case and and he was released. Okay, so you got that. And the other thing in that the 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 um, Tucker tapes, the police officer I forget what his name was who supposedly was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Oh, and died. Remember yeah. that guy? Okay. Yeah. Well, in the Tucker tapes, you see this Suskin, I think his name is, something like that. You see that cop in the tape, alive and well, and directing the rioters, in quotes, into the into the building. But the thing of it is, is that this happened like a half an hour. This was video a half an hour after he was supposedly hit in the head with a with the fire extinguisher. Jeez, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He was a Walking Dead man. Yeah, like Walking Building dead. Seven, right? So you know, it was like okay, uh, and that was like I say, just a snapshot. So I'm assuming that. What they've got, he's apparently they've let, and it's like 5,000 hours or something of video. What? Yeah, it's a tremendous amount of video. At least the original, how much they had there, it kept growing more and more. I remember they got cameras all over the place. Right. And um, even if you're doing it for, you know, a period of two hours, you're still, if you got, you know, hundreds of cameras, well, yeah. Okay. Um, So. Okay. Okay. All right, it's Skype. All right, let me get a hold of Jan. Let me just... I'm going to... All right, we're going to interrupt the show for a second to try to get Jan on here. I'm actually going to call her on the phone so I can talk to her. Ah, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. there you are. Okay, I'm calling you. Forget about the fact I'm calling yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I yes. Found you. I found you. It's all right. I didn't see the group in Skype when I rebooted. So, oh, but okay. I did find it. So, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Excellent. 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 What we were just doing were, was I was um, kind of talking people through the January 6th tapes that Tucker had originally put out. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I said, and Dolly, the same thing happened to her, mm-hmm. is like we pretty much stay awake about different things we look at alternative you know feeds and we listen to fox news and other things and we talk to people you know but 
I never, I knew that something had happened about the 6th uh, of January tapes, but I didn't know what the hell had happened because it, they weren't covering it on Fox. <laughs> no, and, well, and I had, <laughs> that's why they got well, rid of Tucker. <laughs> well, I got, I, it, it, it was like I had company coming, I had a flood, I had all this distraction stuff. And, um, but I was, I, but I had seen the Tucker ones and I was explaining, you know, the fact that, that, American Native American guy that was walking around that was supposedly the leader that based on the Tucker tapes he was actually released mm. because he, he they showed the police officers taking him and escorting him through the building. Generally, they weren't even really touching him. He was just having a good old time carrying his paraphernalia around with him, and the cops are right just next to him. And he's thanking the cops. You he know? even said a prayer for him. Yes. yes, you know, and um, the other thing was that that police officer, Capitol Police officer, supposedly died because he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. That in the Tucker tapes, which is only a clip of what they've got, you see him twenty minutes. I think it was twenty minutes or a half an hour after he was supposedly down and out because he'd been hit in the head and was going to die. It's on the tapes. So he was alive and well walking around. He never got hit in the head. It was the cerebral hemorrhage that killed him. Mm. And anybody that's looked at any of this knows that. But they keep going with the same lies. So, Jan, um, just for the people that may not have heard your show and to talk to me some more, because, again, I've still got guests and I was kind of preoccupied. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can you just run down what it is about the? Just tell us a little more about the sixth of January, because myself and Dolly and Mona were kind of like I hate to admit it, but you know, ignorant of it. <laughs> well, basically, what what's been released, and and um, I did read some of Ben Fulford's report. He said, oh, you know, they've released forty four thousand hours. They haven't yet. And people are, you know, saying to Mike Johnson, come on, you, you're going to release all of it. So he's only released a small portion of the January 6th tapes. But basically what it's doing is it's calling into question completely the agenda of the January 6th committee, which we know was biased. Um, it was a setup. And, you know, what it's showing is... I mean, yes, it shows some of the supposed violence by MAGA supporters, which, um, oh, oh, goodness, what's her name? The the woman that, that was on, Liz Cheney, that was on the committee, she put out a tweet saying, look, 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 we were right, all this violence, and people were pushing back and saying, yeah, that was the only thing you showed. But what about all the rest of it that showed peaceful protesters, people just being guided through the capital, not doing anything? The, the doors were opened by the capital police. Um, and also it, what, it, what it shows is not only there's one, there's one video that shows uh, a guy that was arrested in, and it was inside, they took him inside the Capitol and the Capitol police 
took the handcuffs off and gave gave a fist bump. So the implication is that he was a plant, one of these FBI confidential human sources. And also it what it also shows is the way that the Capitol Police started firing these flash grenade things, these flash bombs into the crowd and attacking the crowd who were all peaceful. And, you know, I saw this, I was watching this on January 6th. I watched the video as it was playing out and I was absolutely horrified by the brutality of the Capitol Police without any provocation, just firing into the crowd which was a deliberate um, intent to, you know, create a violent response. So, of course, the people in the crowd were pushing back and they're shouting, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing here? And so what it's revealing is the whole narrative of the January 6th committee, which we know was, a, a you know, fraudulent. Um, it's showing you know, that the majority of what happened was nothing like what was portrayed and that the the violence itself was very likely instigated by um, plants. I mean, I forgot which... Um, there was one of the representatives who were saying that there were these ghost buses that were busing people in at 5 a.m. who were people dressed up as MAGA supporters. So it's basically supporting the whole premise that the that there were P instigators in the crowd that were impersonating MAGA supporters to totally discredit MAGA people and also to, you know, create this narrative that um, Trump incited an insurrection. So it's another great reveal of, of the truth coming out here. Jan, do you, do you, have you gotten any response? I mean, have you seen any response from the 6th of January commission people? Well, only the Liz Cheney tweets well, basically it. just repeating, look, this is what happened, and just repeating the same old um, video scenes. And she was called out no end. Yeah, we've seen all this, but this was the only thing you, you showed. Why didn't you show the other stuff that was showing people being escorted into the Capitol? And, and it was really, you know, exposing the fact that they'd, as usual, um, you know, engineered the clips to support the agenda that they were putting forward, that this was an insurrection when, you know, anybody with any sense watching it would have seen that it was deliberately done. Because I remember seeing videos of these people, um, you know, breaking windows to get into the Capitol and the, the MAGA people were saying, don't do that. We don't do that. Stop it. They were saying, don't break in. Right. And and there was also um, a video of somebody in, I think it was inside the Capitol, 
don't know if it was the same broken window or whatever, handing out baseball bats. So, yeah, so the whole thing is it's being exposed as an absolute setup. And, I mean, we want to see these flipping January 6th persecuted people being let out because, you know, most of them were literally, some of them weren't even in the capital. Some of them were just, you know, wandering in because they were waved in by Capitol Police who were opening the doors mega hat on and had uh, the um, barriers put up against the building so they could climb up on the outside of the building. I mean, you know, it was all a stage set up. I agree with you. No, it was completely. And, you know, they've got the videos of Ray Epps, who was, um, A, he, he was present there before the even the end of Trump's speech before people had even come to the Capitol and he was pushing down these barriers and he's shown whispering to people, you know, do this, pull down, take down the barriers. Um, they had these scaffoldings up, which was supposedly there in preparation for the inauguration. He was, t- he and others were telling people, go on, go up the scaffolding. So, you know, he was basically directing everything. And he was originally on the wanted list and then he was taken off. And then now he's been charged with a misdemeanor, um, which is, you know, similar to people that have literally been thrown in, in prison without trial for like two years and he's still out walking around. So, you know, the whole thing smells absolutely to high heaven. And, of course, the the, the people behind the January 6th committee are, you know, panicking because all of this is now being revealed and they're just trying to cover their backs. But it was it was all a setup. I knew it as soon on the day it happened that there were obviously in, inciters there in the crowd. Um, well, you yeah. got to figure that whole that whole you know kangaroo court was a setup. Pelosi wouldn't even be on it. It was so dangerous. It was so out there that if it blew up, those people would be brought up on ter- charges of treason. And Pelosi was at least smart enough to know that, so she never got involved in it. And then the one lady that was so scared, she's whining and crying and bitching and complaining, and she wasn't even in the building. (laughs) I mean, they're still still peddling. And, I mean, you've got Democrats still peddling this lie about... Um, you know, Capitol Police being killed, four of them, you know, what? on the day. And, and I mean, that's complete fiction because there were three people killed. Um, one was Rosalind something. She was basically almost beaten to death and they mm. claimed that, oh, the, the t- autopsy said, oh, she died of an overdose. 
of amphetamines while she'd not been on drugs for years. There was another woman, Elizabeth something, this was in a tweet that I saw, who was also beaten to death by another capital police. And, you know, the people around are saying, stop it, stop it, you're going to kill her. And then, of course, there was, um, you know, the woman that was shot by the capital policeman um, who got completely let off, never even questioned about it. So, you know, the whole narrative that's put out by the left-wing fake news media is completely false, just trying to, you know, sh put blame on the MAGA people who, um, under the Constitution, I think it's under, isn't it, under the First Amendment, that, you know, you have the right to peacefully protest against a government that is, you know, basically screwing you around. Those aren't quite the words in the in the First Amendment, but that's that's the effect. And what they're right trying to, to do, assembly. yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and to protest um, government overreach or whatever the word might be. Um, so they're just trashing, as they are in many other cases, um, the Constitution in terms of freedom of speech and freedom to assemble and everything else and trying to paint these people as, you know, violent insurrectionists. So what happened? What happened when the Palestinian, the pro-Palestinian uh, protesters um, tried to invade the DNC last week or whenever it was? Right. Was there any action taken against them? No, absolutely. One person got arrested. One person. And they're trying to break into the DNC headquarters. I mean, it, it, what the good thing is, it's just exposing so much this, you know, crim, weaponized DOJ, basically. You know, it's one rule for them, one rule for us. No, so. you, you said that Speaker Johnson is going to do it again? What, what was that about? What he's what he's said is that he's going to release all but five percent of the forty-four thousand hours. <laughs> he says the five percent is to protect the um, certain tapes that might reveal certain security information about well, the capital. Well, people well, are kind of saying, "Hang on a minute, why don't you just?" reveal the let the whole lot out because you know people are saying you can do a tour of the flipping capital the the left is saying oh you know you're gonna um give all these potential insurrectionists all this information about you know the layout of the capital and it's a map yeah, and everything else on us so i don't know it'll tell on us no no you can't <laughs> Well, well maybe, maybe that 5% has something that could be used in illegal proceedings against people. No doubt, but they have no right to withhold it. Well, no, they do, if they're about to prosecute them. Yeah, but most of the footage is footage that would actually exonerate the people that have already been prosecuted and a you know, in in the flipping gulag for 
most in most cases well, I'm uh, committed yeah absolutely you know this is the thing the the whole legal system around the prosecution of these people has withheld exculpatory evidence again you know which is in violation of the brady act i understand Wasn't so that what the five minutes is and that they're trying to achieve it so they can brush the truth could well be could well be well then yeah. why, hey it should all come it should it should i mean well, i do i, I don't I, think johnson is trying to say here let me let me just say what i'm trying to say here <laughs> is that you know how stupid these people are. And remember the guy that pulled the fire extinguisher? Oh, yeah. <laughs> On tape, right? You mean okay. the alarm system? Was it an yeah. extinguisher or was it actually... The fire, the, the, fi the fire alarm. He pulled the fire alarm. Supposedly to open up the... If you don't say it right, then we don't get the full picture. So the guy who got beat up with this... The, Fire. No, 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 this is, a different, no, no, no. This, this is totally different. This Fine. was this when this the wall. I get it. No. It's in the wall. You pull an alarm. I get it. No, this is the situation with the congressman who wanted to delay the proceedings in Congress. Okay. And so he pulled a fire alarm that made <laughs> everything stop and they had to leave the facility and everything. But he was caught on camera. And he said that he thought if he pulled that, the door would unlock. And he was trying to get to the chamber in order to vote. I mean, a totally absolute bogus story. You know they're going to start calling things like that the Biden phase. I just what, pulled what, a Biden, man. <laughs> but but the thing of it is, is that I'm not I'm not even talking about that from from the standpoint of he should have been prosecuted. I'm talking about the fact that these people are stupid. So if he got caught doing that, and they're not, it's not only stupidity, it's like they can't do anything to me. But what if Pelosi is on tape saying, have they got, have they, have they, you know, shot anybody? Have they killed anybody? I mean, there could be culpatory statements or activities of the very people that they will want to prosecute. And as long as that information is not, detrimental to the people that were arrested and it's only pertinent to a court case against people who may have been filmed who didn't know they were being filmed right. and doing bad things see as soon as you said that jan that's what i got mm, oh they've okay. got they've got people no, that are leaks. really right it's all yeah. a shot it's all a play and show, and I can't, I can't trust him. I mean, if you think that Pelosi had a video made of the whole thing, which was obviously premeditated, expecting right. all of this to happen, you know, it kind of uh, tells you what the plan was, doesn't it? Yeah, and who yes, the yeah. editor was? Who was the editor? Well, it was her daughter. Oh. So, you know, so, so, you know, you, you're walking around, you don't going down a hall, you forget there's friggin' cameras there, and Pelosi's saying, now make sure that you get this on the tape, and blah, 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 blah. you know, I mean, we don't know what that 5% is, but I, 
as soon as you said it, I said they've got they've got real hardcore legal documents. Uh, legal <laughs> could you know, well be yes, yeah. And in fact, I I saw um, I think it was on Twitter or X or what well, I can't get used to calling it X anyway. Um, that the daughter had actually said no, it wasn't an in insurrection. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Pelosi's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she sees the writing on the wall. She doesn't want to be implicated. No. No, that nothing like that happened. <laughs> oh, the rats are leaving the ship. Yay! It's open to a volcano and not water somewhere. So, Dolly, what do you what do you have to say about this? You got any insights? Mona, um. The one that you were talking about who was crying and sobbing and she wasn't even there, that's AOC, who is a House representative. She wasn't even in the vicinity. Right. <clears throat> so her name is AOC. <laughs> and she was saying, oh, I thought I was going to die. I <laughs> talk about a snowflake. Well, she was doing the same act she did you know, early in Trump's uh, administration over the children in cages <laughs> thing where she's on camera, you know, holding her head in her hands in front of this uh, fence, this wire fence. And what was revealed was the other side of the fence was just a car park. <laughs> so, I mean, it's used in so many memes now about, oh, AOC's going to be like this, you know. <laughs> she's just, I mean, she's a plant. I mean, if you if you go back to how she ended up being in Congress, it, it, she was, there was a, an organization who was recruiting um, people for auditions to be promoted as candidates for the House. And I think, well, AOC was one of them. Probably somebody like Ilan Omar was probably another. You know, they were recruiting these people who could basically be manipulated and guided to do as they're told um, working within the house. And I mean, people are saying, oh, my God, she's as thick as two short planks, as we say in England. You know, she's just doing what she's told and she spouts the most ridiculous rubbish. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, how do these people get elected well obviously it's like everything else they're inserted they're not elected it really is a comedy isn't it well you and have to laugh, i right? heard that um on the ghost buses they had antifa people who play in all sorts of different things with the government they had them all dressed up with red hats on mm -hmm. so that they could be pretending to be uh, Trump supporters. Right. Um, so it was all just a farce. Well, the, um, there's also a video of people who are not necessarily on these ghost buses, but who were filmed kind of at the side under these trees actually changing out of their black, you know, 
Antifa stuff into MAGA um, outfits. Yeah. Who do you think is paying for it? Soros? Bill and Hillary? Probably, uh, you know, all of them. (laughs) I don't. Just what's happening. There's a lot of black money behind everything. It may not even be tied to anybody that we know. Well, there's a $3.8 trillion deficit, or isn't isn't there, in the the Pentagon again, you know, for for the uh, black projects or whatever they're called? It probably was that the money from Congress went to the Ukraine, and the Ukraine put it in some nonprofit organization over here that funded everything. I mean, my question is, who's funding the immigrants? Right. Have you heard that some of them actually are trying to get back home? Because when they come here, there's like a court distance of like seven, there's like seven years they got to be here. And then they get to go to court to see if they get to become citizens. Yeah, but the the problem is right now is that... we got reporters down on the on the border, mm-hmm. uh, not just reporters for the news, but reporters like the Texas police uh, marshals. And they're saying these people are coming in with brand new shoes, clothes that I couldn't afford with phones that are so new. I don't know. I've never even seen them. Right. You know, where, where are they getting all this stuff? Where are they? Porter tall are are they pooping the whole route all the time? Are they putting all that out? No, there's actually porter toilets along the routes. I mean, to get the to go and find out what's really happening on the ground, like there was this one cartel guy who agreed to to an interview with a news uh, one of the broadcasters, and he said, "Yeah, I work for the cartel, and I got to tell you that you people are." Friggin' stupid. Do you know how much money we're making doing this to destroy your country? He said, it's all Biden's fault. I mean, it was like this guy was more educated, the cartel guy, you know, than some Democrat at the Democratic Convention. It was Yeah, but the Democrats at the Democrat Convention are all in on the game. You know, there's this story that, um, you know, this place in Panama... There's a whole camp and there have been reporters, independent reporters down there saying that um, I think Soros is funding all of these people. And there's some, and I can't remember the name of it, but there's a particularly difficult route to go through Panama to get up towards the border. And um, they're basically facilitating all these people to come up and they're being paid, they're being fed, they're, you know, given all these incentives. So, you know, it is all a deliberate um, agenda. It's an invasion. It is. It, it is. is. And, yeah. you know, as I was saying on the show, it, it's it's not just the U.S., it's the U.K. Ireland is absolutely up in arms. Um, France is. Uh, Germany is. Sweden has the highest rate of rapes mm. in Europe. They and other Scandinavian countries are now, you know, 
putting into place a de deportation um, uh, policy. Hungary and Poland refused to take any of these. And there are countries now saying we're going to leave the EU because it's the EU who are completely deep state. And I mean, the EU was set up originally as the common market by ex-Nazis. It's all part of this whole WEF agenda. They were the ones that opened all the borders. And originally, I mean, in the UK, I mean, we in the UK, we had immigrants coming in from India and Pakistan way back, I can, you know, back in the 60s. And that was really because of the the old British Empire, you know, because India was part of the British Empire and so on. But the people that came over then, they you know, they actually integrated. Yes, they had their own culture and everything, but they they did integrate. They ended up as bus conductors and all the rest of it. Excuse me, my throat's going a bit. <coughs> and then we had an influx when we joined the EU of Eastern Europeans, but, you know, after the, the Berlin Wall went down, we had an influx of Polish and um, Eastern Europeans generally who, all, you know, they came from a similar culture. The issue that we've got is this whole WEF agenda of swamping European culture with Islamic culture, which is completely different. And this is what the people are up in arms about because they have no intention of integrating. They actually want to overrun the culture of the European countries that are coming to. And that's the issue, you know, that you have this, um, you know, this huge incidence of rapes of women and children of stabbings. I mean, this whole thing about, oh, you know, we've got to get rid of guns because, you know, they're the things that cause all these deaths and everything. Well, hang on a minute. Um, it's not about the gun because in, in Europe, where they don't have guns, they just use fucking knives that are 10 inches long to stab people. Yeah, like machetes. Yeah. But they use in Africa. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's nothing to do with the weapon. It's to do with the people that are brandishing these weapons. Right. And and that that is the whole thing that's happened now is that the people that are overrunning the Western countries are just of a you know, they're invaders, they're not immigrants at all. And they're wreaking so much havoc and destruction and murder and mayhem and sexual assaults and, oh, it's just terrific. But, the you know, the thing is, as I was saying on the show, people are just so angry now and they're saying, we are not going to put up with this any longer. We, we're done. You know, when you start having somebody stabbing children in the street... And when you've got children being raped and murdered by these 
people. Um, and yet you've got the politicians who are all WF puppets, you know, they're talking the the Irish Prime Minister saying, Well, we've got to put something in place to stop the hate, you know, the hate crime and everything else. They were going after the protesters, not not the perpetrators of the violence. Mm. And you've got Rishi Sunak saying, Oh, well, you know, we're God knows why they were pursuing this policy to send people to Rwanda for God's sake I mean how long ago was Rwanda a place of absolute genocide <laughs> between the tribes and that was kind of trashed by the the courts but there's the claim you know oh we're going to cut down on this immigration they're they're escorting all these boats inflatable boats across the channel and then putting these illegal immigrants all men no families all young fighting age men putting them up in hotels putting them in in these places in the middle of villages where they outnumber the villagers and um you know well just fucking turn them back and send them back to France. The Brits have paid five hundred million pounds to France to stop the immigration immigrants coming over. Has it made a difference? No, because they come part way. They're escorted by the French, whatever, and then the Royal it's the Royal Navy Lifeboat Institute. They meet them and then they escort them into into England. And it's like, turn the fuckers back, for God's sake. You know? I mean, and then they claim, oh, yes, we're going to do something about these small boats. And this they're doing absolutely nothing. That's right. This is righteousness. How dare you stop it? The Pope warned us and, and invited all this stuff years and years and years ago. It's been definitely following suit. The one world order bullshit. Mm, absolutely. It is. Um, you know, and, and they're now saying, oh, we've got to take all these refugees from Palestine, for God's sake. And, <laughs> and the Arab countries around will not take them at all. And I don't know how many, um, they're saying like there's 150,000 I think it's in the UA, USA, who are supposedly on the terrorist watch list. No. <laughs> well, that's good, isn't it? Okay, course, let's, let's, let's just drop the subject because um, we could talk about this forever. And it's, it's not going to make much difference, you know, what we say here. So the, the important thing is that people have got to understand that this is a world war. You know, they talk about the Third World War. We've been in the Third World War for about the last 20 years. Just people haven't understood it. Mm. And, you know, so what I want to do is I really want to ask Dolly. Dolly, what do you got on your list? Because you always have good good stuff. Not that you know, what I've talk, we've been talking about isn't good. It's not good stuff. But it's stuff that we need to know. But, Dolly, what do you got on your list, hon? Well, let me go to it. Um, I have, 
I think we need a good thing in here. We've been... Right. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to read the one good thing that I have, and it's on teens again, because I I want to be boasting about teens, because people are just bad-mouthing them right and left. But there are good teens in this world, just like there's good humans. <laughs> they don't even consider the teens humans. So I got this news article from... Uh, are you talking uh, teenager teens? Yeah. Okay, because there's a lot of verbiage that doesn't come straight over in my consciousness. So, okay, teenagers... Yeah, are yeah. producing people who are 13 to 19. Okay. Okay. Seven swimmers owe their lives to Australian teens on boogie boards. Two rescues in one week. And this is by Andy Corbley. <clears throat> and it's from Good News Network. And uh, let me copy and paste this so you all can go to this place and find out a lot of good news uh, because someday you might just need to read a little good news in your life rather than all this crapola stuff. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay, now let me get back to my note. Unrelated teenage surfers rescued swimmers from drowning off the south coast of Australia on two separate occasions last week, proving that while the stereotype of young surfers is one of laxness, it isn't all a bad thing. It was November 18th that six friends aged between 12 and 15 were boogie boarding on I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to say it how I would think. Kayama Beach in the Australian state of New South Wales, when just 20 minutes after rescue personnel finished their shift and went home for the day, they became aware by a screaming that six people had been swept hundreds of meters out to sea in a rip current. A mom with her three young daughters and two young women were all caught in the violent water. Leaving buddies, Max Laird, Grace Davidson, George Griffin, Harrison Smee, Alex Norris, and Zach Marsden as the only entity on the beach able to effect a rescue. Luckily... These strapping young lads are all members of the Kayama Surf Life Saving Club, and Harrison, the oldest of the crew at 15, led them back to dry land on their boards to save some lives. George described the event as shocking, but told ABC News Australia that we just had to do what we could do. I got to an eight or nine-year-old kid called Matt, and by the time I got to him, he was completely underwater, 
just his hand above the surface of the water. So I was pretty worried, said George. Harrison, George, and their comrades rescued all six girls just nights after another group of surfers on another beach rescued another person. This time, a distressed teenage boy swimming alone after safety patrol hours. This rescue, which took place on Jones Beach, about two miles north of Kayama Beach, was carried out by high schoolers Lucas Mack, George Kalajzich, and Dax Cairncross, who used a surfboard to reach the drowning fellow who had also been caught in the rip, as they call it, down under. We met the guy out in the rip and started paddling back to the shore slowly. He couldn't really walk, so his mates picked him up, Lucas said. A spokesperson for the surf Life-Saving Club said that the rescue, the rescues were a testament to the awareness, bravery, and focus that can be shown even by young people when given the right training, as the youngest rescuer involved was just 12 years old. Oh. And that's my story. Oh. Yeah, I watched a Netflix show about these guys, and they're pretty strong. It's amazing. I mean, my gosh. And I've been caught in a riptide. It's not fun. Oh, not easy. I have, too, off the North Carolina coast. Yeah. No, mine was right around St. Pete, Florida, right around the bend of the... Oh, yeah. But it's strong. Well, I learned after I had gotten caught and did manage to get out of it, I learned you need to swim parallel to right. the beach. Sideways, right. Yeah. And then you can eventually get out of the rip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those people that don't know what they're talking about, the rip, a rip current is almost like a little river that starts flowing in the ocean. And it can be very, very powerful. And it'll just scoop you up and take you out. And if you try to turn around to go back to the shore, you're actually got now your body is is perpendicular to the water and you're going to go far faster. So what you have to do is just start going parallel with the with the river and hopefully you're going to get to the side and just get out of it because they're very narrow. But once you're caught in it and you panic, you're you it's it's is not much people can do. It's very dangerous, I, you know, and they can come up. You don't even know. Nobody knows that they're out there. They come and they go. And so this is what they're talking about. It's not people being particularly stupid. It's just, you know. You just get caught off guard. Right. You don't know the riptide's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what it is. Well, that was a, that was a good story. Yeah, you know, I, I was watching, what the heck was it that I was watching? Um, oh, I know, it was the Patriots Wards on Fox. They do this, uh, they put on this, you know, gala uh, and, and give 
little trophies to people who are just regular people who have done some extraordinary things. And one of the recipients was this young man who, as like a 12-year-old, was at the cemetery for his veteran gold star, meaning that he died in the war, father. And they're put him and his mother are putting the American flag and the flowers and stuff. And he looks around at this, uh, you know, veteran cemetery, and he's going, "Mom, why, why is it? Why don't the others have flags and flowers? Why, you know?" And he he actually got himself so upset that his mother mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, his mother said to him, look at, you know, if you if you're this upset about this, you need to do something about it.'" Well, from I think the kid was like now in his 22, somewhere in that area. So Mm -hmm. for a decade, he has been going around the United States to veteran cemeteries, first by himself. You know, his family took him to everything around them and they kept getting farther out. But now he goes and there are groups of people that help him do this. And and this, this little kid, I mean, he just... It's like you say, there's a lot of good teenagers out there. It's just that they don't get the the fame, you know, right. that other people do. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're good people is that they were brought up in good environments. Yeah. You know, where, where this type of thing is lauded, not put down. So I thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I want to share. I said last week. Um, I between now and Christmas for sure. Every time that I'm on the air, I want to share a good story because this is such a depressing time of year for a lot of people, mm. for one reason or another. And uh, I want to put some goodness into their lives so that maybe it will give them some relief, if even just for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I will be doing this every time I'm on the air for for y'all, and it even helps us people who aren't depressed. I mean, it even brightened my when I found it. I've been happy ever since I found it. <laughs> yeah, I think about that little guy out there, you know, doing this. You know, I mean, it's just. And I know I I I just I sort of have this maybe it's a hope, but I believe that the kids that are coming in and I've said this since I saw babies who you look at them and you go this is a very old soul this this kid is you know the way they look at you you know there's a deep deep understanding in them and I've been saying this when I would meet certain well most every kid I've met you know so I think that. The kids, even though there's a bunch of them out there that are seemingly lost their minds, well, those are background people. Don't pay attention to them. I mean, you got to say you're you're crazy and we want to lock you up or, or, you know, put you in some kind of a school where they're going to teach you the truth, not the lies. But the those people, they're, they're, they're not really affecting reality because they're saying things and doing things because they've been told to say things and do things, not because they heart feel it, you know. But you get one of these kids out there, I mean, even the surfers there, the boogie boy boys, I'll call them boogie boys, it, you know, 
you know, that they, when you were telling the story, I'm thinking about all of these kids out there that, you know, they, they go and they interview these kids and they don't know crap about what they're even saying. But you can feel in them, and I think it's true of every human being, that you need some kind of an outlet to do good. And not everybody, of course, but, you know, the the basic human makeup, I think, is that you have to live a life where you feel like you have done good. And if you do that, then you're going to have a a sweet life. But if you're you're always doing bad and you're always you don't have any kind of an anchor or you don't have any kind of a goal, then you're floundering and you're just, you know, chaos and garble. But you're not focused and when we think about these children they you know for the rest of their lives they've saved somebody else's life and that has got to make a change in them that you know is going to lead them to become very very good adults yeah and a lot of it is they had incentive to go first and get some kind of training yeah, yeah, yeah. They can do it. Now yeah. that to me is amazing. Yeah. So out there, I mean, that's where some of the best surfing competitions, and I mean, you know, it's not just something easy like holding a door open for somebody, you know. Yeah. And it's not just kids who have been raised by uh, parents who right. Think positively and and help their kids and stuff. It, it, a lot of ghetto type kids are good kids and they help people. The, the, I've seen where they help uh, the older people in their neighborhood. They they help them cross the street or they they realize that they don't have any food and the kids go get them food. Right. You are such a cry baby, Dolly Howard. I know. I'm so emotional. This is our generation now, Miss. I mean, we have to think that, you know, it could be us, and we give thanks it's not. But we also give thanks to recognize there's still good-hearted human beings out there, no matter what their age is, but kudos that they're young enough to keep going you know yeah and keep others going (laughs) well even by a smile or a word i mean when i was a child or in those years my favorite people were being with the elderly because i wasn't in a superficial kind of conditioning that we all were taught we're supposed to be in you know because they had real communication they had real knowledge. They just, you know, but that's me. You know, one of the things that I like to do is that when I go out to the front of the house on the swale and I'm getting the garbage pails in or the mail or whatever, I live in a predominantly black neighborhood, not just black Americans, but Haitians and uh, South Americans. And I mean, the, the white population in this particular neighborhood is like, I think it's 11%. Um, so here you got this, you know, I suppose from their standpoint, a very old, frail lady with white <laughs> hair, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the side of the street. 
and you got these black kids and they come in all different ages even even some of the adults and stuff and they are they don't look at you they won't look at you they're they, they might glance at you but they're not trying to get eye contact or any of that sort of thing and they're just walking like they, they're going someplace and uh, I love to do this I go hi how are you doing you know have a nice day and the response is is always the same it's one of surprise mm-hmm. you know and they get they, they get this look of, of surprise but then when they see me there and I'm just waving to them this white this old white lady's waving to me <laughs> You know, she's not afraid of me, you know, and it, it just, it, it tickles my heart. I come in the house and I'm like, gee, that was fun, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Way back when, the men who would be, say, the 30s, 40s or whatever, any black man who talked to a white woman would be put in jail or killed. They couldn't even look at them because the white man had prominence. And if any black man decided to look at a white woman or whatever, they could be killed. Because I asked this one guy who worked with my husband, why don't you ever look up at me? And he told me. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, I wouldn't look at me either. (laughs) Reminds me of To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Well, let, let's let, let's just uh, it's, we're over the break now, so let's just take a break somewhere over the rainbow. And welcome back to the Say What Show. It's November twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Mona Radler, and Jan Shaw. And before we get into anything else, I do want to sort of pay homage and acknowledge the fact that. You know, just this past week on the 23rd, we had the 60th anniversary of President Kennedy's assassination. Mm. And the History Channel was put on a a very, very excellent, uh, I don't even know how many shows, four or five shows, about Kennedy's life from when he was a a child and his, the privilege and, you know, his military, uh, when he went in the military and just and it was details that that I didn't really. I mean, you think I, I mean I've been a student of his for a long time, and history is my love. And there was stuff that I had no concept of because it just didn't. You know, we didn't have internet and stuff, so it was a really kind of a a heartwarming, uh, nostalgic thing because I would remember certain things as a kid because. He was from my state. He first was a congressman and then a senator. And so you got, you got, and Kennedy, uh, the Irish, I mean, there's a lot of connection. My family had 10 kids, you know, they had, I forget how many, big family. And there was a lot of connection that I felt towards the Kennedy family. But one of the segments was on the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. And I was like, well, I would have been. I would have been 15. No, this was before that. So it was probably 14. So the, the the thing of it was, was that even though you're aware that something terrible is happening as a child, because your parents are, first off, they had the president on the TV, and you didn't really, I didn't know what Florida was, never mind Cuba. 
and nuclear war at the time was like everybody dies and the concept of nuclear missiles we didn't even know i mean it basically as a kid you didn't even know how they were being delivered it was just all these bombs were going to explode you know and in my neck of the woods they didn't push that on us we didn't do this cover and duck thing you know i mean it wasn't it was there but it wasn't anything that we were afraid of so they the, the cuban missile crisis for those people that don't know the Russian and the Soviets um, had put missiles that were nuclear-capable missiles in Cuba. And from that site, even though they were small tactical nuclear missiles, they could still take out a city, they could um, hit virtually any place in the northeast part of the United States, Washington, New York. Um, and when they when it was discovered that this happened, the people went to John Kennedy and said, "We have to bomb the crap out of Cuba. We've got to attack." And he was like, "No, I don't think we're going to do that. You know, let's look at this." Well, he the, the the presentation of what went down was so remarkable in that everybody that was advising. Uh, Kennedy was saying, we've got to go to war. And he was like, not on my watch, not on my watch. There's another way out of this, another way out of it. And this one human being in the American government, with his brother Bobby, Bobby was with him, of course, but virtually went up against the entire military establishment, the intelligence establishment, everything, and said, no, we're not going to do this. There's got to be another way out. So what they did do was that they put a blockade up around Cuba and wouldn't let the Russian ships in. Now, I don't know if Kennedy knew this um, because I we did we didn't I didn't as an American, even though I've looked at it for, you know, much beyond my 15 years, was that some of those nuclear missiles in Cuba were operational. They could have fired them. So I'm listening to this and I'm going like, oh, my God, we were really on the brink of nuclear war. And then they they go further. They tell that uh, Khrushchev, for some ungodly reason, gave the military commanders in Cuba the uh, gave them the right to decide whether to fire or not. They didn't have to have Moscow's permission to fire. If they thought they needed to fire, they should fire. But they even took it further. And they told the submarine commanders, if you think we've been attacked, then you attack with your nuclear weapons. Okay? So, lo and behold, and I'd heard about this. I mean, there were, there were, were stories about the fact that some Russian nuclear-powered sub was in the waters uh, in the Caribbean. Um, but that the Americans had um, somehow or another gotten them out of the area. I mean, I don't, I don't either. I wasn't, didn't hear how it got. They, they didn't. They, nothing happened there. But the real story behind it is that the American ships began to drop apparently small explosives, but that was an intelligence gathering thing. They'd put an explosion in, the sound would go out, and then they would 
be able to record any sounds that bounced off. It's like underwater radar type of thing. Well, from the standpoint of the Russians on the ship, it sounded like they were being death charged. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure they've never had that happen to them in, in their lifetime. So the commander of the sub and his executive, they both agreed that they were going to fire their nuclear missiles. The third guy that had to agree to do this, he couldn't do it. He couldn't agree. And he talked him down. He talked him out of it. And that sub, had they done what they, if there was somebody else, one other person on that sub, other than the guy that had the courage to say, no, we can't do this. And he was, you know, below the two that wanted to. Um, we would have had a, a nuclear war, a nuclear change. If Kennedy had attacked Cuba, they would have fired the missiles that were live. Again, a nuclear war. It was like I did not realize that we were so close to, the, to a nuclear exchange. But in the midst of this, you've got individuals, Kennedy in the one case, the subcommander in another case, and probably the people in Cuba that had the ability to shoot, shoot those missiles off, but we don't know what might have happened in their realm, but that had God saying, don't do this. Some special force saying, don't do this. Be a hero. Stop it. And it was scary to hear how close we came, but it was also very inspiring to know that there are people out there that have done this, you know, stopped this awful, awful thing. One person, and I've said this all my life, one person makes a difference. Now, in this case, it's an extreme example, but each and every one of us, every time we, you know, when, when Jan's telling us all this bad stuff, you know, take it, understand what's happening, and then say no. No. And we are so powerful as, you know, created creations of God that this is the difference in what we're confronting right now. If you look at all those people that are in the streets and saying no, you know, those are the people that have got their their souls intact, that they're listening to the inner guidance of who they really are. And if you guys out there are, are, are doubtful that we're going to get through this, I say look at what's really happening. You know, the all the bad things that we talk about is causing people to really wake up, to right. look at it. And we should be rejoicing in this time. Yes, it, it's not comfortable. It's, it could blow up in our faces at any given moment, but it won't as long as there's one person out there who's saying, no, I'm not going to push the button. And um, I just, it's so important that we, we stay engaged, but we do it from the standpoint of, Wow, that was really stupid. Or sometimes the stuff they're doing now makes me laugh. I mean, I mean I'm laughing right out. It's like, are you people crazy? It's getting worse and worse. You know, it's, you, you're just letting out all the information on your own. Uh, the black side, you know, because they're pushing everything. They're pushing the 5G. Now everybody knows what 5G is. In 2019, when I started Radio 5G, nobody knew what 5G was. Now they know. And they know all of the 
terrible stuff. I mean, listen to my other shows. I, I, we don't hesitate to tell you exactly, you know, what we're up against. And it seems very formidable. But I'm going to tell you from having been in this arena for a very long time, there is no problem that I have seen that cannot be fixed. And fixed without too much problems. I mean, it looks all very convoluted and confusing, but there, the, 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 the formula is very simple. Love. Be nice. You know? And stand up in the light of God. So, together we're going to get through this, and I, it's, it seems to be unraveling fast. And the other thing I've got to point out is that when people are watching Donald Trump, whenever, whatever format he comes out at, you're watching somebody that's not worried. There is no indication in him at all that he's worried. Well, if Donald Trump is not worried, then I'm not going to worry. It, it's happening. The um, I think Jan pointed out this last week is that they're now asking the people that they threw out of the military because they wouldn't take the vax to please come back. And the if you study the left, they don't they don't backtrack. You know, they just keep going with the same narrative, and they wouldn't have backtracked. But the fact that the United States military has taken this precedent means to me that the White Hats are, are taking over. I think they've been in charge, but now they're taking over again. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you said that, Nancy, because I wanted you know, to just clarify my position on this, that I'm not here as a doom monger at all. Absolutely the opposite. Um, exactly. You know, people have to be aware of what we're up against in order to stand up and say, no, it's like the the whole thing of do not comply with all the things that are trying to do it, to do. And if people aren't aware of the implications of what they're in danger of agreeing to, then they're going to say yes when they should say no. So, it, you know... I keep saying this year has been the year of the great reveal. If you think of everything that has happening, happened in 2023, particularly, it has been a major exposure of criminality, of evil, of corruption uh, that people are becoming more and more aware of. And you know, it's not that this never happened before. It's not that suddenly we've got all this corruption. It's that previously it was all hidden and people weren't aware that this was going on. So they weren't in position in a position to say no. But now it's all come out. You know, they always say light is the best disinfectant, the, the greatest, you know, um, cure for all of this well it's all coming out into the light so you know yeah i was sharing a lot of stuff earlier that might have sounded real doom and gloom but no it's not doom and gloom it's the fact that people are actually starting to stand up against this and say this is just unacceptable we're seeing that you are promoting this agenda 
that is absolutely against our best interests. And we are saying no big time. And and that is a huge win, in my opinion. You know, it's a huge win because absolutely. if people just lie down and comply, then there's going to be this major you know, locomotive coming along and mowing them down, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, that we've been in, in, in even a worse situation, you know, 60 years ago. And it was the hand of God mm. that touched those people that said no. And right now, the more people that just say no, 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 not going to buy into it, you know, um, they haven't got a chance to to control us. Well, it's somebody just, shared again um, on Twitter this uh, clip from uh, it, Bugs Life, the the cartoon thing of you know the the grasshoppers much bigger than the ants and basically the the whole thing about you know well oh that we can beat them they're only little you know um but then it was the recognition that if all these ants that are smallest you know supposedly if they all club together then we're doomed you know and that's the point you know it's this getting this recognition that there are more of us than there are of them and that we have power. And that's what they're panicking about right now. That's what they're scared of, the people waking up. And, of course, Trump has woken up so many people. That's why they're trying to destroy Trump. But they won't win because every time they do something to try and destroy him, his following increases exponentially. So... I mean, well, they've even, lost even, already. <laughs> even the even the Fox people, okay, have commented on the fact that before Donald Trump came into power, the concept of the deep state was not anything. Well, we knew it, but most people didn't. You know, thought he was crazy, mm. and that <clears throat> since he's left office, now the deep state is a, an acknowledged fact. Of life, mm, it's it's common uh, terminology common now. Yeah, yeah. So even that 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 was you know I went yeah you're right about that. Everybody calls it you know fake news. Mm. <laughs> it, it's working. <laughs> it's definitely working. It is. <clears throat> Dolly, you got something else on your list? Um. I couldn't, I, I couldn't find anything very interesting, and uh, so what I did was I went back to remember the time that I had written up a bunch of questions. I went back to that right. and copied and, and pasted in in the thing today, uh, the ones we didn't answer. So that's all I have is is we can do that. But okay. it took us quite a while to get through the first few questions. So I knew it would take up our times and it would be interesting 
to different people. So I that's what I did. Okay. So what's your first question? Hold on. Uh, oh yeah, that's my good news thing. Uh, hold on. Oh, list of questions. Leftover from previously. Is it always the same beings who travel together and participate in the different scenarios? And um, I think we agreed that, yes, it, it seems to be uh, the groups that started out uh, deciding whether we were going to come at this time or whether we were together, the ones who would and the ones who would um, come together the next time, which could include ones that came the first time. And I think we agreed, yes, we stay in groups, but come at same times and different times with the different beings in the group. So then... I asked the question, is there a group who are designated as the overseers? Um, and do they have the power to change the scripts that we make before we come over here? So we can discuss that. Well, um, I don't know. I, okay. My feeling is, is that is, as me, Nancy Hopkins, the individual, that I have, I know everything I need to know. I have knowledge that I don't need to know that I could access. That from the <clears throat> standpoint of a human being and their metaphysical side, their spiritual side, every question that I've ever an asked has been answered to my knowledge. But sometimes it takes a long time. But then there are other questions where I ask and boom. I mean, immediately you get the, the answer some way, somehow. So is there somebody up there that know, <coughs> excuse me, knows all the answers and then feeds us? Or is, is the spiritual, let's say, uh, reflection of who we are, are they all together saying, whoa, Nancy just realized this, and Dolly just realized this, and maybe we should, you know, uh, give them some more information that will make that more uh, real to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That it might be a background, people, but I think it's not a different group. I think it's ourselves in this reflection or the spirit or whatever. That then is Once you get to the degree that I believe people that listen to this show get to is that you know you've got spiritual guides you might have think of them as your higher self you might think of them as grandma and mom and dad you know wh whatever you but you know that you're getting information that seems to be outside your own experiential environment so i th yeah i think there is a group dolly that it does change because i see through my life i would get to a point and i'd go oh now I see it. I got it. I got it. And no sooner would I do that, then everything would morph and it would change. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, 
Yes, but I don't think it's a separate group. I think it's really ourselves and either a future self or, you know, higher plane self, something. I mean, you know, one of the things that has been very, very important in this last few weeks was listening to Dr. Robert Young. Because he's a, he's a MD who was doing all sorts of research, and he decided that he wanted to research this concept of energy sh- chakras and energy forms. And he's been doing this for decades. And he said, I finally came to the realization that the body does not have a bioenergetic field. The bioenergetic field has a body. That that's what comes first our energy bodies and if we as the the body you know the conscious mind Walt will say it's the lower soul versus the higher soul your consciousness or something but we as conscious beings have access to information that that's why these people that do these extraordinary heroic things and stopping something that was programmed there that's what they're touching into that they know more. At some level, they see what all this is about. But the little person there making the decision has to agree to that metaphysical, spiritual side of themselves. Acknowledge it. And that's where your intuition and, and you know, your, your, you just get downloads of information and you go, oh, I know how to do that. Let's do that. You know, all of that. It's, Something that lives forever and is beyond what we as limited 3D bodies <laughs> with consciousness can, can really understand. So, yeah, to me, the, yeah, we're, we're the ones behind it, Dolly. Oh, uh, see, I believe there's a group of us that hang out and we experience different lifetimes, different timelines, different planet and and we help each other through the different experiences that's how I believe it but then my next question is is the posse considered to be the directors of the parts that I am in you know how uh, Walt's always saying well ask the posse so I saw a red leaf outside, and we'll say, "Well, ask the posse why it's red." <laughs> <laughs> He's fascinated with my posse. I don't think that's what the posse is here to do: is answer questions like that. Uh, I believe they're here to help direct different directions I go because they'll throw something in front of me and then I gotta make a choice oh hey where'd that thing come from which way do I want to go on that I could go this way or I could go that way or hey there's another path over there and the posse's there no matter what path I take to help me along the way they aren't going to tell me well take the middle path and we're going to tell you how to walk each step of the way. I I don't think that's what they're there for. I think they're there to throw the things in front of me so that they can help me to grow. And and I think sometimes I look at an issue and in my mind 
I used to do this. I don't do it anymore. In my mind, at first, I say, well, I don't have a choice. And then there's the posse niggling in my head. You have a choice. And I said, no, I don't have a choice. Uh-uh, no, I don't see any choice at all. You have a choice. But you might not want to make it. You always have a choice whether you want to choose or not. It's there. So I have them there for things like that, too. That's what I think. Anyone have? I think, yeah, I think, I mean, we do always have a choice because if you're pre presented with an option, you can choose to take it or not. And that in itself is a choice. I mean, I, you know, one of the key things for me is, aware, is an awareness of when I'm presented with information that is going to help me develop my understanding of things. And, um, you know, it's, it, sometimes it's quite bizarre because I haven't even asked the question, and yet I'm led down a path of developing knowledge. I mean, I, I, I'd mentioned in, in the show I did about I'm now reading David Icke's books, and, um, you know, I'd said that um, I wasn't quite sure why I was guided to come back to the UK. And in, in The Biggest Secret, which I'm reading at the moment, and I can't actually find the page offhand, but it was saying that the, the British Isles is one of the key vortexes of the energy we have more um, standing stones and all these um, sacred um, uh, monuments. And I, when I'm saying it's things like Stonehenge and there's a whole other series, which is really kind of an epicenter. It's like the center of the energetic globe, if you like. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. And then... Um, Earlier this evening, I was I was uh, looking at I was watching this video <clears throat> on one of my tablets, and somehow, uh, instead of going back and continuing with the same video, suddenly this David Ike video pops up from four years ago, and it's talking about you know how we have so much more power than we believe we have and you know I, I won't go into all the detail but I do believe that we are guided along a path of increasing understanding and knowledge based on what our um, purpose, sole purpose is you know and i I from the moment I awakened, I have been guided every step of the way to places I never even thought I would go to and and to do things I never thought I would do. Um, and now I'm back in the UK and I'm sure I, I know that I'm here for another purpose. So, 
I think if you're look if you're looking, I think we always kind of look for things from outside ourselves. You know, I've asked you to ask the posse or Dave or what have you about things, but actually we have the inherent ability to be able to access that ourselves and and if if we're looking for other um like affirmation or confirmation of things we're kind of giving our power away from what inherently we have access to it's like oh we need somebody else out there some other being to guide us where we're actually being guided all the time if we're aware of it. And I have this awareness now of, well, that's interesting. Why did that suddenly pop up? Well, obviously, I was meant to see it, you know. And, and this has happened so often to me. I've been guided to an author, a book. I've been guided to a place. I've been guided to do something and I no longer question, I don't question it. I just think, okay, you know, I've already committed myself to saying, yeah, I'm here to do whatever is my purpose that I've already committed to, my sole purpose. So I'm not going to question, I'm going to be aware of every clue that comes into my awareness and it, that in itself is magical because it's like saying, it's like, oh, wow, you know, I'm being guided along my path. I'm being taken care of. I'm doing what I'm here to do. It That, as I say, that in itself is magical. And that's the secret they keep from people. That's why the kids, that's why, I, I, you know, all you need to have is that one access to this feeling of destiny this feeling that there is a purpose in your life and everything opens up for you and that's what they the the real secret is is that you don't have to go to somebody else and say tell me the secrets of cosmic reality nancy please you don't have to do that because nancy tried that nancy listened to everybody you know trying to find the person that knew the truth knew the truth and then over decades of finding somebody that would know pieces of the truth, I realized that there's nobody, nobody out there that knows the entire truth, especially regarding my experience. And that's when I started asking questions myself, of myself. And that takes a learning experience, but it also takes an act of faith that Mm. you do have all the answers. Just try it. You know, I mean, I could give you minutia of, you know, what's the name of that thing? And then the next thing you know, somebody says it. Uh, Things like that to big things, you know, like there's a black hole in the middle of every galaxy. I knew that 20 years before it ever came out in science. But I trusted it. I trusted the information. And that is the key to unleashing the true creative manifestation capabilities that we all have. And that's what's scaring the dark side. You know, that's what it is, that we're waking up. And it's fun. 
I mean, now I'm. Ha- I mean, there were times where I just threw my hands up and said, "We're lost. There's no way we can win." You know, but now I'm like, "Yeah, let's see what else is going to happen." <clears throat> because it is like a, like Mona said, it's you know comical. I do a lot of laughing now. I mean, outright belly laughing at some of the things I hear. They're just so stupid. I mean, they're so stupid that I can't hardly recall any of them. I'm trying to think right off the bat, which what was the, the most recent one? Uh, I, I mean, stuff like... I wish Walt was here because Joseph Cater, that... You know Joseph Cater, people that have listened to me. It's, it's I talk about him in the uh, Cosmic Reality book. <laughs> this is so... This is so strange. I wish I had that book in front of me. Anyway, so we've been talking about Cater because he absolutely harpoons science in all sorts of ways. Like there is no gravity. It's electromagnetic waves um, that's causing the things that people think is gravity. I mean, things like that. Uh, The gravity on the moon is is almost exact to the gravity on Earth. It's supposed to be a sixth of the, the gravity on Earth. And if it was, well those Land Rover things that were running around would have gone off into space. I mean, he points out obvious things that you go, oh, my God, you know, this is amazing. And the book was written back in the, published in back in the, uh, 1989, I think it was. And our question to, to each other, Walt and I, was, how did he survive? How did the book survive? How was I led to it? I was led to it because I was working on um, the concept of the Cloud Buster, in Oregon, and all of a sudden I said, I wonder if Oregon can be made into a weapon. So I Googled it, and up comes this section of Cater's book, The Invisible something or other, um, and there it was. He's talking about Oregon. He's talking about cloud busters, and yes, it can be made into a weapon. <clears throat> so I get the book, I get the book, I give it one copy to Walt, one copy to, to Derek, and, and you know, they, they all start looking at this thing. Well, I'm telling this to a friend of mine, one of my guests, Betsy, last time they were here. For some reason, I started talking about Cater. And she's not this kind of person. She's not into science. This isn't a book that she would want. I don't even remember talking about it. But she comes in this last time and she said, you know, you were talking about that book, and I said, you know, she's she's stumbling around as a Cater, Joseph Cater, and <clears throat> she said, yes, 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 that guy. She said, well, I tried to get that book, but I couldn't get at that book. It seems to be out of print, but look at the book I found. <laughs> and apparently, I mean, for some reason, I kind of assumed that Cater was dead because I'd seen uh, YouTube presentation, or a YouTube presentation of him, and he looked very old and feeble at the time. So I kind of like didn't think he was alive. And it turns out that, yes, he is apparently alive because he's written this other book. And the book is saying that he's an E.T. You know, and it's like I I was just flabbergasted. It was like he's an E.T. And (laughs) and we hardly have had a a conversation about it because, you know, all these other things are happening. But apparently he's with a group of ETs, Dolly, who were sent here and they have to kind of hide and it seems like they hide in different ways, you know. But now it's like, 
oh yeah, by the way, yeah, I told you the truth about science, but that's because I'm an ET and I know it. You know, and I was just like absolutely flabbergasted. But then it got better because I had took out the book get Cater and, and she had the one she had. And then Peter takes the book <laughs> from me. And the, the first one, the science one. And he starts going through it. Well, for the last two days, every time he has any kind of a, like when I go on radio or something, he goes off and reads this book. And he's reading the section that, I mean, there's so much science in it that I let kind of Walt look at that. But I had actually looked at this stuff because it was highlighted. And he said, you read this stuff. And it was unbelievable information. I'm going to talk about it on cosmic reality because it was just like, talking about light and sound things we've talked about but in profound ways and he also gets into like the transgender thing you know why is gender so important to screw with so and this is the magic of of, of how all this works uh, you know i mean <clears throat> i had the book i had it in my hand and I kept thinking, I got to go back to that book. But it was an outsider who may or may not have heard. I may have participated in it, or maybe not. Maybe she thought it. And but she's following the path and gets led to this other aspect of Joseph Cater that I had no clue to. You know. So, but that's the way it, it works. So it's magic, and it's funny. It's like, wow! I can't believe that that Betsy Joe is the one that's turning me on to this, you know? And then Peter picks it up and he starts telling me about things that, that I obviously have read because it's highlighted that I'm going like, Oh my God, I knew that and didn't pay any attention to it. You know, it's, it's just fun. I mean, if you look at it as an exercise in learning, you know, maybe we're on sort of like uh, we've we've gone through university and now we're in an in, in, internship. Yeah. <laughs> we're learning the ins and outs of this reality building stuff, you know? Now, see, I think Walter identifies so much with Cater because either... Oh, now Wal Walter, alien? Oh. Yeah, either he's alien and doesn't realize it at this point right. or he has had contact with aliens who have been uh, sharing a lot of things with him but they don't let him remember it yet or know it yet but they will they will in the future or he will realize his relationship as to either being an alien or having been with his customers, we've heard some of those stories. Yeah, I think he's had contact. I think you have too. But I think that your guides, since you know them or knew them as human, now they're dead. That means that you're just in that spiritual realm to the point where they're your guides now. They're your heaven sins. Uh -huh. You know, your, your padres. <laughs> you know, your friends. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I, contend, I contend that it's it's what Walt's dealing with is himself. Uh, yeah, right. You know that it's his ET self. 
he may never have had a, an, an encounter in the 3D Earth, and he doesn't know that, you know, this is an ET that's because I mean maybe a lot of them haven't, and to get him to do the work that he's doing, because let's face it, he gets into some super duper energy work. Oh yeah. You know, so it might just be that he's an ET, hasn't had an Earthling. Like, you you don't think that you were ever on Earth before, Dolly. No, I don't. Really? And I have a memory of being an ET who came here and decided that I like this place better. Well, I know my <laughs> ETs, but I think I started with this planet. Well, yeah, but again, started is is kind of like an open. When was started? Because I could say to you, yes, I've been. I started on this planet, in, in incarnating in the 3D, you know, type of thing. But that was at the time of the um, the Mayans. You know, yeah, it could be any time. Right? It could be any time. Yeah, the start time. You know, I mean, because I learned that too. Is like, wait a minute, where did I start? Because yeah. I have memories that go back beyond the the Anastasi thing, the 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 Keiko Canyon and and that, that whole experience with the mines and everything, all of that happened, you know, after being in Egypt and being you know doing things there. But that's when I kind of like realized that oh okay, so the concept of ET walk in. Or ETs who look like human beings, you know, trying to influence uh, human beings to realize their connection to God, to come out of it like Jesus Christ. You know, yes, my father and I are one. <laughs> you know, please wake <laughs> up. Wake up to your own powers. You were, you're all the same. You're going to be able to do everything I do. Um, we kept coming back trying to wake up. I mean, we were sort of good ETs. I mean, we just wanted these people to wake up. And they all, if they started waking up, the first thing they would do is go, oh, you're a god. No, I'm not a god. I'm telling you, I'm just like you are. I just know god things. And you do too. You just can't remember. You know, and it goes on and on. I mean, experience after experience. And finally, me and my team were like, they, everybody was burnt out. And it was like, we're giving up. We're, we've got to go home. We're going home. Because again... Time doesn't exist to these people. They're just jumping around in time. They might have been here for a few years on their their original timeline. So they, the whole bunch of them, they all were going to leave. And I said, I can't leave. I said, I have a connection with this planet. I cannot leave. And so I refused to leave. And two others of the group, the team, um, probably <laughs> Jan and Mona, or maybe Dolly and Mona and Jan or somebody, you know, said, oh, yeah, I'll stay with you. And then I have a whole memory of, <laughs> of, of that entire life after that. You or know? Christia, even, because, remember, you two came to rescue me. Yep. yep. Well, I mean, look at the fact that we're all together, you know. Yep. I mean, that in itself says a lot that we, you know, we were guided. I was certainly guided to connect with you, Nancy, through Gene Rockefeller, and um, that was and definitely that, that was that was through Matthew Matthew Ward, Susie Ward. <clears throat> Somebody sent me to Susie Ward's website, the one we use Matthew and we, we read all the time. 
I wasn't, I didn't connect at all. But sort of something popped out of the page, and I looked at it, and it was a link to Gene Rockefeller. Mm. So then I go to Gene Rockefeller, right? And that's when you became aware of me, and, you know, I became aware of you, and we started out. But the other weird thing is that it was Gene Rockefeller that said to me, you need to talk to Ani Avedisian. Mm. And so... I get introduced to Ani Avedisian through Gene Rockefeller. But now it takes another turn. And Susie Ward has been Ani Avedisian's friend for 30 years. Mm. You know, it's like circles and circles and... Synchronicity. And, and group. Group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, soul groups, definitely. Mm -hmm. You know? Absolutely. Just all he's asking about. Yeah. Yep. I definitely believe all that. Yeah. So, um, we've only got eight minutes here. Left. Can I can I add some well, sure. uh, happy news? Yes. Well, today I met with my daughter, Ooh. who we have been estranged on and off ever since I went to the U.S., and um, we actually met for lunch today, mm. which was went beautifully. It was wonderful. And, the, you know, I, 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 the reason I want to bring this up is about divine timing because, um, you know, going back to when I left the UK, I'd split with her father. I haven't made contact with my other daughter yet. We'll see what happens with that. But, you know, there was a lot of judgment on me for doing it. And um, the conversation that we had today would never have happened until there had been a gap of 12 years, which is the length of time since we last met. I mean, we have had some com communication and I mean, I've, as of today, oh, actually two days ago, um, that was when I, it was six months, it's now six months since I got to the UK and we've only actually met up. But um, it was so interesting because in the meantime, she decided to, she was prompted to go through some coaching and the person that was coaching her um, introduced some spiritual aspects to her which led to us being able to have um, a really genuine conversation and the one she she's got two children now two girls who I've never met yet uh, one is eight and one is five. And I said, oh, you know, I'd love to see some photographs. Well, she showed me a photograph of them. And the five-year-old, I looked at her and I said, she's an old soul. She has really, I mean, the look in her eyes was like almost an adult and, you know, a really developed um presence 
And she said, oh, well, I've been told I'm an old soul too. We would never have had a conversation like that 12 years ago. And so the fact that she's gone through her evolution um, to for us to then be able to have this lovely reunion and be able to just talk for like two or three hours as we did. Um, you know, I absolutely believe in divine timing. And, you know, she was unhappy. She she stopped communicating because, as you know, Nancy, you know, and Dolly, I planned to go back to the UK when she was due to have her second baby. And it was like, no, all the signs are saying, don't go back, don't go back. And I, I didn't go back. And she was upset about the fact that I wasn't there. But, you know, I explained to her, I said, look, you know, I know you're upset. I just had, I just have this mission and I have to follow the mission that I'm on. And it was like, there was absolutely no resentment left whatsoever. And she understands the principle of it now. I mean, that in itself is, you know, a miracle. (laughs) And so the reunion was just wonderful. And we're now communicating on a totally different level from what we could have done before she had gone through that process of personal evolution herself. So, you know, divine timing is wonderful. And we are given these things in divine timing. I truly believe that. Thank you for sharing that. That That's good to know. It's good to know. Mm. So is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience from Great Britain? Well, I'd like to say I I love the fact that you come here every week. And actually, I've been here more times than I usually am. I'm usually only once a month and I've been here four shows on the trot here, even till one in the morning. And it's lovely to see, you know, your participation in this. So thank you so much. I love you all. I really do. Even if you don't agree with me, I still love you. Well, you sound good. <laughs> Yeah. Mona, would you like to say anything to the audience there? Don't choose sides. Just stay centered to your heart and listen to your intuition. It's the best thing that any of us can do. That's the truth. And Dolly, we still got two minutes here, Dolly, so you can say more. Well, you all know what I'm going to say. Don't forget love blankets. <laughs> Just send those out. That's our ammunition, and it is our encouragement. Ammunition for the bad, the evil, and encouragement for all the good beings in the world. And there's a lot of good beings, so send out your love blankets. <clears throat> yep. Okay, well, we thank you for being here, and um, we've got Radio 5G going to come up on Wednesday, and I'm not sure what's going to happen, but Yasmin and Bob West are going to be on with Mark and I, 
and that'll be fun. And we're going. So it'll to, be live. No, well, no, we're going to do. It'll a be a recording. On, yeah, we're going to do a recording oh. on Sunday. Okay. But hopefully, myself and Yasmin will be in the chat room when it plays the recording plays, and we can answer any questions maybe that come up. But um, yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. The last time we left the the West, they had just survived a almost catastrophic boat <laughs> trip. <laughs> so anyway, everybody, be safe. We thank you so much for being here. And Jan, thank you for joining. Mona, thank you for joining. And Dolly, and I'm so glad you were here. Yes. Have you- <laughs> right. Here we go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. <laughs>